Welcome to Wednesdays with the Doc, with your host, Dr. Daphne, bringing you a healthy dose of encouragement, inspiration, and hope as we create lifestyles for success. Welcome to another episode of Wednesdays with the Doc. Again, I am your host, Dr. Daphne King, and I am so excited to be with you all today. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and here at Wednesdays with the Doc, it is part of our mission to help you all live your best lives now. And Wednesdays with the Doc and Dr. Daphne believe that it's difficult to live your best life if you don't have healthy relationships. So today we want to shed some light on domestic violence, um, as well as talk about you know, some prevention, talk about ways to, you know, seek help if you are experiencing um, violence in your relationships, as well as talk about some of the warning signs. So I am very honored and pleased to be joined by Josephine Gonzalez um, from Laws, which is the Loudoun Abused Women's Shelter. And it is here in Loudoun County, Virginia. And I am going to read a little bit of Josephine's bio, and then we're going to get into the work that she does and the work that is done at Laws. So Josephine is the Loudoun Domestic Abuse Response Team Coordinator, or DART, um, at the Loudoun Abused Women's Shelter, again, LAWS. In her role as the DART Coordinator, she leads the team comprised of multidisciplinary agencies who assist with identifying potential systemic gaps in order to help improve the coordinated community response to domestic violence. Josephine provides training to allied professionals in Loudoun County, Virginia, and is the project manager on all DART-related projects. Previously, Josephine was the bilingual advocate at Laws and helped survivors of domestic violence, stalking, and sexual assault by offering case management, crisis intervention, safety planning, help navigating the court system, and provided other forms of advocacy. Josephine earned her Bachelor of Arts in Global Affairs and her Master's Degree in Public Policy from George Mason University. So again, we welcome Josephine to Wednesdays with the Doc. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, no, thank you so much for having me here. I'm honored to be here. Um, it is a very important topic, and it's actually a great time. Like you said, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it's a wonderful time to raise awareness about domestic violence and show our commitment and everyone's commitment in breaking the cycle of abuse. You know, I think that is so great. And as you talk about that cycle of abuse, you know, we want to really jump right in with our listeners and really talk about what do you mean when you say cycle of abuse? Well, when I say cycle of abuse, I'm referring to domestic violence, which is also uh, known as intimate partner violence. And many times professionals in the field can use that interchangeably. Uh, many times I do as well. However, it's important to note that domestic violence really is a broader definition for any type of violence that can occur within intimate partners, but also in family relationships. You know, laws itself helps many survivors who have dealt with family violence, such as uh, parent-child violence, um, sibling violence, um, or even those, you know, who sometimes live together. And really, it's important to understand, too, that there's a legal definition that is different that law enforcement and, for instance, prosecutors and others will use. Uh, family abuse for them really means anyone that's living in the home together or people who have uh, who are married or have a child in common or have lived together within the last year. So there are different definitions. But intimate partner violence specifically means those who have had a romantic and or sexual relationship. Well, I'm glad that you clarified that because that was something that 
you know, as a professional, I may know the difference, but, you know, a lot of our listeners may not necessarily have that professional background. And then there are some professionals who don't have an expertise in domestic violence. So if you could, again, one more time for the listeners, give us, you know, the difference between domestic violence and intimate partner violence one more time. Okay. So they are used interchangeably. And when professionals give the training, they can use both Um, Intimate partner violence, again, is more so specifically violence between people who had a romantic or have a romantic relationship and or um, a sexual relationship. And domestic violence is a broader definition, right? So it can cover not just intimate partner violence, but also covers violence between family members. Uh, For instance, it could be sibling violence. It could be uh, parent-child violence. Uh, And actually, the legal definition that is used in the Code of Virginia that other professionals such as law enforcement and prosecutors use uh, is really people that live together. Um, So, you know, of course, it could be in-laws as well, um, or the definition can fall under people who were once married, who have a child in common, or who live together within the last year. Wow. That is actually great information, and that clears up a lot of... um, you know, questions that I think people have because we do use domestic violence and intimate partner violence um, interchangeably. But hearing, you know, that definition and hearing those explanations, it helps us to really look at domestic violence on a much larger scale to include, as you said, family members, because sometimes siblings, you know, do, you know, have fights and arguments and disagreements and siblings sometimes abuse one another. Mm -hmm. And we don't consider that to be um, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So that was great um, to clarify that information. Now, I do want to go back and have Josephine give us just a little bit more about herself, the work that she does at LAWS, as well as to talk about kind of what services LAWS provide to the community. Yes. So I'll start with LAWS. LAWS stands for the Law and Abuse Women's Shelter. Uh, LAWS was actually the name, and the organization was created in 1984, mm-hmm. and that's around the time that the battered women's movement took off. So despite our name, we do help all survivors of domestic sexual violence and stalking. So men, women, children. Because as we know, the movement has also changed and grown quite a bit. Now we know that one in four women experience intimate partner violence and one in nine men will also experience it too. So we do need to include men in this discussion as well and also have them as allies. Um, So laws, we believe in a holistic approach when helping our, our, our survivors, right? We believe in empowering them and to create a safer community where people do not have to feel unsafe in their own homes. So we, aside from having a shelter, uh, we also have a community services center, which is in Leesburg. That's the address you'll actually find on our website, lcsj.org. And we have counseling services um, that are for domestic in sexual assault survivors, and also for minors, anyone under the age of 18. Um, we have a legal department, which is very unique to laws. We're one of the only programs in the state that have a legal department. Um, oh. We have a protective order attorney. We also have a uh, family law attorney, and we have a legal coordinator. Um, aside from that, we have advocates, too, and uh, they offer case management. They offer, really, they're the front line. So usually they're the first people to speak to clients mm-hmm. to see what other resources they can provide to them within the organization and in the community. 
Aside from that, we have the Child Advocacy Center, which is a program of laws, and that's where children who have been subjected to violence are interviewed. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're recorded so that they're not interviewed several times, which, as we know, can be very harmful Absolutely. to children. Absolutely. Uh, we have a... Um, I'm sorry. I, I, we have actually even have a thrift store, which I do want to mention, just because oh. any survivors who are staying at our shelter can get clothing there for free. Because as we know, a lot of times when someone has to leave, it's not necessarily planned, right? Absolutely. Yes. Or they may only be able to take the important documents that they have with them. So we definitely have that. We can provide uh, clothing from that from that thrift store. But even if someone wants to donate clothing to that thrift store, when those uh, items are sold, all proceeds go back to law. So either way, it really definitely does help us. Now, how can someone donate to the thrift store? So actually by going to the thrift store itself, you can have drop-off is from Tuesday to Saturday, 9 to 5. And is the thrift store located um, at the services center in Leesburg? It's actually located in Leesburg, but next to Lulu's. Ah, yes, okay. where Bee Donut used to be. Ah, nice. <laughs> so at the end of our... Um, uh, time today, I am going to give Josephine a chance to give you all all of the contact information for laws, as well as you know the address to you know if you want to donate to the thrift store, which I think is great. And in all of the time that I've worked in Loudoun County and have had my private practice here in Loudoun County, I did not know that laws had a thrift store. Mm -hmm. So I am excited to learn that information because now I have another place mm -hmm. where I can donate um, clothing to, and I'm frequently you know kind of recycling things and donating things. So it's great. Um, to have another place that I can make those donations mm -hmm. to. So thank you for that info. Of course. Um, and then give us a little bit more about yourself, Josephine, and what you do at Laws and how mm -hmm. you got involved with working in the field of domestic violence. Yes. So I'll start with, and I started as a volunteer at Laws in 2011. So I've been with them for about eight years, and I love the organization. I've always heard such, even before I worked there, I heard so many great things about them and how they help survivors and helping those Women and children, and obviously men, to live a life free of violence has been a passion of mine for a long time. Um, I was a volunteer, and then in 2013, I applied to be the bilingual advocate. So I was a bilingual advocate for about five years, wow. uh, and that's when I helped clients directly. I helped more than 700 survivors um, with different things. It could be anything from obtaining a protective order to going with them to a hospital accompaniment, right, or uh, even, you know, helping them with perhaps immigration information or, you know, uh, maybe taking them to a loud and hunger relief. It could just be so many different things because as we know, the dynamics of abuse are pretty much the same, right? Mm -hmm. However, every person's situation is pretty unique. So safety planning is a huge part of that too. Uh, so I did that for about five years and then I became the Loudon domestic abuse response team coordinator in tw late 2016. Uh, so I was doing both jobs actually, uh, because that one position was 10 hours. So I was working 50 hour weeks for a long time. <laughs> wow. Um, and then actually effective, uh, July, 2018, the board of supervisors approved that my position become a full-time position, the dark coordinator position, which was a first, very exciting. It shows the board of supervisors, you know, commitment as well yes, to help yes. combat this. Yes, that is great. Yes, so I've been doing that now full time since 2018. Awesome. I mean, great work that you all are doing at Laws, and definitely, um, I hope that after today we can partner um, more on doing some things to just keep everyone safe and to ensure that we're all able to live healthy lives and safe lives yes. and live our best lives now. Now, you mentioned a few things. Um, with talking about laws and some of the services they provide, 
How are services provided um, holistically? What does that look like for you all? So, for instance, let's say someone, we do take walk-ins, right? So so counselors, they usually need an appointment um, because it's easier for them to have a structured schedule, right? Right. Uh, But for advocates, they take people whenever someone comes in 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Uh, So if someone walks in and they may just want information, they can meet with an advocate, discuss what's going on in a safe and confidential space because everything we do is free and confidential as well, which I probably should have mentioned before, but that's the important part because we understand that confidentiality is key to helping someone too, right? Especially if they're not ready to go, they're not ready, you know, depending on where they are, where they find themselves because we want to empower survivors. We don't ever want to tell them what to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we listen, we hear what their needs are or what what they say is their priority, right? What they want to fix at that moment or change. Uh, and so we help them by giving them the different resources. If they want a protect order, if they don't feel unsafe, we provide that information. We walk them through the court process and accompany them through that. Okay. Um, so then if let's just say they do that, then we fill out paperwork to give to the attorneys. So then the attorneys can, depending on what they need, if they, maybe they want to talk about custody, they'll go to the family law attorney. If they want to talk about child support, they'll go to the family law attorney. If not, they can go to our protective order attorney to see if they can be yeah. represented. We can never guarantee legal representation due to uh, schedules and conflicts and also resources too, right. Right. Um, just depending on the case. Uh, but we can definitely offer at least some guidance, right? So then if they go through that system, um, I'm sorry, that resource Let's say we ask if they want counseling. We can then connect them to the counselors that are actually in our community services center too. If they need shelter, we can help them with that as well. Or let's say they have, uh, they've never maybe worked because there was part of that uh, economic abuse, right? Right. So maybe their abuser didn't let them work. Um, if they need help, we can refer them over to the Loudoun Workforce Resource Center, let them know what the calendar looks like. Maybe they don't. You know, English was not their primary language growing up. Um, we can also refer them to Loudoun Literacy Center. So really, it's up to the advocates to really know what the resources are to wow. connect the person. So wow. that's just a brief example. Okay. Yes. So it really sounds like it's more so meeting um, clients where they are yes. and, and actually advocating with yes. <laughs> clients as well and not just for them. Yes, that's exactly. Awesome, awesome. Um, just because I like to say that every, you know, they are their expert in their lives. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And and that is an approach, of course, that we take within the field of social work and counseling that, mm-hmm. you know, the persons that we're working with, they are their the best expert mm-hmm. as to what's happening in their lives and what things they need. So that advocating with a client, I think, is great, especially from that holistic approach. Yes. You mentioned some statistics related to men and mm-hmm. domestic violence, and we often don't hear about um, men when it comes to domestic violence or intimate partner violence. We, Of course, we focus um, a lot on women because historically that has been the case. Um, but now with just a shift in what relationships look like now and a shift in what um, families look like now, and we see a lot of, um, you know, same-sex couples and, mm-hmm. um, you know, same-sex, you know, families represented, is that accounting for the increase um and violence with men, or how does that factor into the work that is being done with domestic violence? Uh, and sorry, I, I, I maybe reframing. How, what do you mean? What's factoring? Like, um, is the what we're seeing right now with same-sex families and mm-hmm. marriages factoring into the increase in numbers for violence against men, or is you know what are some other factors related to that? So, I could not tell you exactly 
what the research is. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you. I haven't read the full study. Right, of course. Um, however, I can say that, yes, within same-sex couples, um, there are the same dynamics of abuse, right? So, so I, I can say that, yes, it probably does factor into it. Can I say 100% yes? No. I don't want to give wrong misinformation. Right. right. Um, however, I will say that we have seen an increase in helping male survivors in at-laws, at least. Okay. Right? Um, I know that uh, our shelter, and historically, too, the shelter, it's usually for women and children right. or boys under the age of 18, right? But we've been able to accommodate certain male survivors, too, recently. So it really huh. just depends on the situation. So we definitely do never never want to turn away anyone who needs it because if you're in danger, you're in danger. You right. need a place to stay. So just because of your gender or however you identify doesn't mean we'll turn you away. Awesome. Yeah. That is, that is yeah. great to hear. Yeah. Wow. So that, I did want to emphasize that. No, I think that is great. And, you know, again, as, you know, we have listeners <laughs> from all walks of life, we want to make sure that everyone is able to access the resources and help that they need. So that is definitely great for us um, mm-hmm. to hear. So give us a few, you know, warning signs for domestic violence or intimate partner violence and what someone would look for. Yes. So that's a... Great question. Um, I do want to start first with the definition of domestic or intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a pattern of behavior that's created to gain or maintain power and control in a person's life. So what's important, keywords, pattern and control, right? So I'm not sure how many listeners are familiar with the power and control wheel that comes from, that's no, also known as a Duluth model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the center of it, they had a practitioners in Duluth, Minnesota, uh, spoke to survivors and to offenders, and they found a bunch of uh, factors in common in, in, in many of these relationships that are abusive. Um, so what they created is the power and control wheel, and in the center of that, they're saying that the person's abusive because of the power and control dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. And that they use different tactics to then maintain <clears throat> that power and control. So some of those tactics can look like emotional abuse, which includes gaslighting, belittling, making that person feel inferior, um, it could be, of course, that uh, financial abuse, as I mentioned. It could either be someone that is not sharing finances, even though both parties are working or they're mm-hmm. in, a, in a relationship where there should be that shared responsibility. Um, it could look like also with financial abuse, uh, not letting that person work or having them work all the time and not letting them see their own finances, right? Oh. So there's just a few examples um, it can also look like minimizing, denying, and blaming. So, for instance, in a healthy relationship, there is that uh, shared accountability. So, let's say that minimizing, denying, and blaming can look like, well, I hit you or I yelled at you because you provoked me. Not, hey, I'm really sorry that I did this. You know, let's try to work on this together. Right? Right. Um, there's also, of course, physical and sexual violence that then ties all of these things together. Uh, but they can also co-occur. And I also don't like to start with physical violence because many times society looks at domestic violence as a woman with a black eye. Many times you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. You're not really seeing all the other factors. You know, isolation is a huge piece too. Um, it, you know, obsessive controlling behavior, obsessive jealousy. Um, isolation plays a big part in that because it can look like oh, why are you going to hang out with your girlfriends this weekend? You should stay home. And if you say, no, I really want to go, they'll lash out perhaps in some way. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand the dynamics because when the abuser starts to lose that control in the situation, 
they'll lash out in ways that can be very dangerous to the survivor and even to the community. Um, so those are some of the red flags to look for. Also explosive temper, right? So um, that's a good warning sign. Uh, I've had many survivors come and tell me that they, once they were able to, once they had hindsight, they were able to say, oh, wow, these behaviors, you know, my gut was telling me something was off, but I just thought it was just a bad moment. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I do appreciate you not starting with the physical things and the things that we can see, because, again, um, you know, stereotypically or historically within society, those are the things that we focus on when we you know, talk about domestic violence or intimate partner violence. So I do appreciate you for starting with some of the things that tend to be a little bit more subtle. You know, you don't always readily recognize when someone is being emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, ab- abusive or mentally abusive, or you don't always recognize the the withholding, you know, of finances. You know, sometimes people explain it away as, well, they're better, you know, with money than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for some of those more subtle things, um, what can, you know, you know, how can people recognize those things because they are so subtle? So is it, we talked about the, a pattern, is it built up over time or are there certain you know, other things that, you know, we should be looking for? You know, I want to say that in working with survivors, it just depended on the person, you know, depending on the situation, depending on the relationship, there's somewhere, and I apologize for not mentioning this before too, someone that wants to commit very fast, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. they got into a relationship all of a sudden, four months later, they wanted to get engaged and then married. And again, not saying that's, that's, that person is a hundred percent abusive, but that's a red flag, just something to, to, to be aware of, right? Um, I know I heard a lot of survivors tell me that once there was that commitment, then all of a sudden the person changed. With others, it was after three months of dating that they started seeing abusive hmm. factors. So really, it just wow. builds up. Okay. But again, there's that cycle of abuse, right? Where things start to, to build up, then an inc- actually in a violent incident happens, and then there's that honeymoon phase. Right. Yeah. Um, so then it just keeps going and going. And a lot of times survivors stay because there's that hope, that hope that things will change, that hope that maybe we're just in a rut. We're just going through tough times. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be financial barriers, too, because of that economic abuse. It could be that there's children in common. And many times parents feel that they are harming their child by having them grow up in a one parent home instead of research shows studies show that it's actually more harmful for that child to grow up in that abusive home, right? Yes. Um, It could be immigration status, too. Many times, partners who have legal status will use uh, someone's lack of documents against them and Mm -hmm. continuously, you know, threaten them with deportation or maybe even their family members who may not have status, right? Um, so again, it could be physical violence, safety, safety is a huge one, that fear that I'm going to, I'm going to be hurt. Many times survivors adapt. They know how to adapt. People know how to protect themselves. This is true. This is true. Um, which is why I say a survivor is their expert of their own lives Mm -hmm. because they adapt to keep themselves safe and they may realize like, Hey, if I leave now, I will be killed, especially if there's firearms in the home, right? That increases the likelihood of, uh, of death by 500%. Right. So, you know, it just depends on what kind of situation they're in. Wow. Now you mentioned, um, you know, impact to the community when a perpetrator feels like, um, you know, they didn't get their way, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What does that impact to the community look like or what does that lashing out to the community look like? Uh, So it could be reckless driving. 
Right? Oh. It could be to law enforcement. Okay. Um, law enforcement, many times, uh, their lives are, can be in danger because these domestic violence situations are so volatile. You know, they, the, it can turn into a very lethal situation fast. So uh, law enforcement is trained and, and told to, to be weary, right, to, to understand mm-hmm. that these things can, can change really fast. Because, again, um, by them interfering, right, or, or, you know, trying to help the survivor, they're breaking the pattern of power and control, too. Right. Right. So right. Um, those are just a few examples off the top of my head. Oh. But I don't. I, I say this carefully because I don't ever want the onus to be on the, on the victim or survivor. Right. Right. It's the right. perpetrator. And why is the perpetrator abusing? Not right. why is this person putting up with it in quotations? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that, you know, you said that because oftentimes we, we hear so much of, well, why didn't you leave or why didn't you do this? Mm-hmm. And for, you know, those of us on the outside looking in and who've never experienced any type of, you know, violence in our relationships it's 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 not that easy, you know. It's easy for us to be on the outside looking in and say, well, you know, you should have just left or why didn't you leave? But it's not that easy for that person. And I do, you know, think we always want to make sure that we stress that, you know, we don't want to ever put any of it back on the victim. We don't ever want to blame a survivor um, of domestic violence because it is the perpetrator's behavior. So thank you for clarifying that. <clears throat> now, we've talked about some of the red flags and we've talked about, you know, some of the warning signs what can someone do, you know, if they are experiencing domestic violence? What should they do? So if a person feels that they're in an unhealthy or possibly abusive relationship, the best thing I can say is if they feel comfortable enough, talk to a professional, you know, talk about what's going on. If they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I also, I do want the listeners who believe that their family members or loved ones might be going through a situation like this to learn about the resources. You know, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You know, make sure your one thing is to learn about what the resources are in your community or wherever you reside. Know the 24-hour crisis hotline uh, and and know the warning signs too because, again, it's, it's, it's important to to know so then you can perhaps talk to your loved one and just say, hey, I see these things happening, I'm concerned, and here's a resource that can help. How how easy or how difficult is it for um, a family member to talk with their loved one when they've noticed certain behaviors? I think it can be very hard because I think that family members are always pretty much well intent, usually well-intentioned, mm-hmm. right? If they're concerned, it's because they care. However, a lot of times I think it's hard for us to speak to our family members without being a bit judgmental, right? And I'm careful mm-hmm. to say that because, again, I do think it comes from a good place. right? However, that's why I think it's best to have professionals talk to the person or just to offer resources and information because that person, the professional, doesn't have, doesn't have that emotional attachment to this case, correct? Of course, we mm-hmm. care. Of course, we want to help, but it's different than a family member. Okay. So. Okay. Great. Now, how can someone find a domestic violence shelter or wh- how can someone find a place to go for help if they are experiencing domestic violence? Always call the 24-hour hotline because every county in the Northern Virginia region has one. Um, and every county, every jurisdiction has a shelter. So just knowing what the hotline is, for instance, the Laws Crisis Line, 24-Hour Crisis Line is 
6552, and that's available 24 hours a day. Okay. So you said every county in the state of Virginia, you know, has their own hotline. Every county um, has their own kind of domestic violence shelter. I, w- I don't want to say every county in Virginia, every mm-hmm. county in Northern Virginia, for okay. sure, that I'm aware of. So if someone is in, say, Fairfax County um, or Prince William, is there just more of a regional um, or state hotline that they could call? There is a state hotline. Um, It's by the uh, Virginia Action Alliance, which is Virginia's coalition to help combat domestic and sexual violence. Mm -hmm. I do not have that number. number. I I apologize. No, no, that's fine. And what was the name of that organization again? Virginia Action Alliance. Okay. Awesome. And we can definitely follow up with the listeners um, and provide that information. But we do have the laws um, hotline number, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is 703-777-6552. So you can definitely use that number. And I'm sure that anyone that answers the hotline, if they you know determine that you don't live in Loudoun County, can provide you with information to resources you know within your county as well. So... What else do you want to share with our listeners today um, on domestic violence, on intimate partner violence as we prepare to close out? Yes. Uh, really what I want to share is if if you've experienced or are experiencing intimate or partner violence or domestic violence, it is not your fault. It is never your fault if someone is, is abusive towards you. Um, it's okay to feel the shame. It's okay to feel the guilt. But it is never your fault. You know, thank you for, um, you know, validating, um, you know, those that may be experiencing domestic violence. You know, thank you for, you know, giving them back, you know, kind of their dignity um, and their hope in a situation that may be very difficult for them where they do feel like they're being judged. So thank you, you know, for that. Um, There are so many other things (laughs) that we could discuss today with this topic of domestic (laughs) violence. You know, such as, you know, teen dating violence, which is, you know, a completely different, you know, set of, you know, issues and circumstances, as well as delving more into the, you know, cycle of abuse and and the abuse will and and how that works. Um, I'm thinking that we may have to have Josephine come back (laughs) and talk to us about, you know, teen dating violence. Talk to us about how to, you know, work with our kids on healthy relationships um, and recognizing their own signs of, you know, teen dating violence and really talk more about the the cycle of abuse or the abuse will and where we can actually provide to our um, listeners um, an image, I guess, of the abuse will. Uh, so you can type uh, the power and control wheel into Google and you'll see a bunch of different ones from the different websites um, that have any type of domestic violence information. The main one is the Duluth model power and control wheel. And I do want to add though, uh, Laws actually has a teen violence prevention specialist that goes into the schools, certain schools in Loudoun County and helps teach about prevention. Since prevention is a whole other topic, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. So it sounds like we're going to have some more people from Laws coming back (laughs) to join us on Wednesdays with the Docs because we do want to make sure that we're providing you with all of the information that you need to live your your best lives, to be healthy, and as well as to keep our kids and our teens um, safe and healthy so that they can grow up to be, you know, productive, healthy adults. Um, 
Again, Josephine, thank you so much for joining us today. You have given us so much valuable information. Um, I am going to share, you know, a few things on the social media pages for Wednesdays with the Doc, a little um, snippet of our interview today. Um, the podcast will be available for download on um, Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts. Um, I will make sure that we have the um, the power um, control wheel available on the Wednesdays with the Doc um, website, as well as our social media pages. Before we close out, though, I do want to give Josephine an opportunity to share with us the contact information um, for LAWS, how to reach anyone at LAWS, to provide the number to the hotline um, again, as well as the address to the thrift store. Yes. So the number to call for help is their 24-hour crisis line. It is 703-777-6552. For other information, you can reach our main admin line. It's 703-771-3398. And whoever picks up can transfer you to the department that you need. Okay. So one final question. I know that typically with domestic violence shelters, I think in the past, you really didn't necessarily want... um, you know, to provide their the address to domestic violence shelters because we want to keep, um, you know, victims safe. Mm-hmm. So for someone that, you know, wants to seek services, is it best just to call the administrative number and then they're somehow connected to a shelter? If they specifically want shelter, then they should call the hotline. Call the hotline. Yes. Okay. That is great information to know. Um, and then again, if someone wants to donate to the thrift store, where can they drop off those donations? It is at the Research Woman Thrift Shop. It is in the heart of Leesburg. Uh, and I again, I apologize. I don't have the exact address. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is right next to Lulu's and across from the new parking garage that is... I'm trying to think what else is next to it. I'm sorry. I don't... Um, B Donut used to be right there, too. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So for our listeners that are here in Northern Virginia... <laughs> Um, on our, you know, social media pages, we will get that address out to you all. But again, for those of you that are familiar with Leesburg, I'm sure you probably already know where it is. Um, which again, for me is great to hear that there is a thrift store supporting, um, laws and supporting the work that they do. You know, as always, um, with Wednesdays with the doc, I want to leave you all with just this, this disclaimer that although you have been given some very valuable information, um, the podcast is not a replacement for therapy. It's not a replacement for seeking professional services. If you are um, in danger or you feel like um, you're in an unsafe situation, please, you know, call 911. You call the loss hotline at 703-777-6552. If you do need, you know, to talk with a therapist, you can always call us here at Loudon Counseling and Coaching at 571 571- Three seven five zero six six eight. You can reach me directly on my business line at 703-539-2266. Again, the podcast is not a replacement for seeking professional help. Um, so please, as we are, you know, wanting you to live your best life and live a healthy life, please, you know, use the resources to seek out help from a professional, you know, if that is needed. Again, I want to thank Josephine Gonzalez from Laws for joining us today and really giving us some great information um, on domestic violence and intimate partner violence and how we can, you know, all keep ourselves safe as well as our family members safe and watching out for those warning signs and educating us about this issue of domestic violence, which we could talk about um, for days on end and still not hit the tip of the iceberg with all of the factors that are involved. 
Thank you for listening in. Don't forget to join us for another episode of Wednesdays with the Doc.